0: And Welcome to another edition of the Ministry Focus Worship Essentials Podcast. This podcast will focus on looking into biblical standards of worship and how it applies to us as the body of Christ, as well as talking about issues involving worship in today's church. I'm your host, Brian Foster. Let's talk some worship. In Psalm chapter 101, in verse 1, the Word of God says, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. The psalmist David did in this psalm what he wrote over and over in his writings. Ignoring any human audience, he put his full and undivided attention on God. We are in the room watching David and God, but it isn't about us. He may have had his eyes closed as he recited this song, or he may have uh, been looking heavenward. But the Bible does not say. But for sure, David was not looking at you or me or anyone else for that matter. Next Sunday at church, when you sing, focus on the pronouns in the song. In other words, is the song about God or is it to God? If the song is to God, put your complete focus on him and sing it to him. Just like if you were talking to a friend or a family member, don't look around and don't focus on other people. Don't think other people, uh, don't think about what other people might be saying or 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 singing to God. This isn't about them. This is about you and your direct dialogue with Jesus. On the other hand, if the pronouns are singing about God, as far as he or him is concerned, make eye contact with the worship leader on stage. Glance at the person with whom you come to church with or came to church with, or give a high five to the stranger next to you. Is it weird? It's exactly what we do at football games when we say good things about the guy who just scored. Give it a try. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you and we praise you for this time together. Lord, I thank you again for this this ministry of the podcast. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just use me. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that you may speak through me as I yield my tongue to you. Father, I pray that you would give me the words to speak to your people. And Father, I pray, Lord, that they would take it and hide it in their hearts, and use it in their everyday walk with you. Father, help us to understand your idea of worship even better. And Lord, we just praise you for it. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. When the Navy starting quarterback was injured in the first half of a 2016 game with Fordham, the coaches called freshman Malcolm Perry out of the stands and into the game. He was listed as the team's number four quarterback. The number three quarterback had been suspended that week, so consequently, the number two quarterback was the only one left with no backup if needed. Perry was actually dressed in his Navy uniform whites in the stands with the uh, brigade of other student midshipmen. The young quarterback didn't even have his football uniform at the stadium, so the coaches had to send someone to pick it up from the team locker room back at the Naval Academy. By the fourth quarter, he was on the field playing in the game. Perry certainly realized that day the difference between watching the game from the stands as a spectator and actually engaging in the game on the field as a participator. So what kind of worship tater are you? Now, I know that sounds country and it sounds a little bit off the wall, but hear me out. In corporate worship, there are two types of worshipers spectators, and participators. Too often, our churches take on a performance orientation, feeling like the congregation is a group of spectators watching what is playing out on stage. Rory uh, Nolan writes in his book, Worship on Earth as it is in Heaven, quote, Modern churchgoers are culturally conditioned and complacent instead of actively engaged in worship. Worship has become a spectator sport. Unfortunately, too many of us approach church in the same way, as casual observers instead of active participants. We come to listen to music. We'll join in and sing here and there, but we mostly hang back, as if we're spectators observing a performance. We act more like outsiders and newcomers than God's loved children. We plop in the pew and wait for somebody to tell us what to do. The result, more often than not, is lethargic worship as opposed to passionate worship. Now let's take a look at the difference between a spectator and a participator. A spectator is someone who attends or watches an event or game as an onlooker, observer, or member of an audience. A spectator could be a fan or foe, depending on who is playing and what is being played. And spectators sometimes assume that they are in the game just because they are in the stands. Now, a participator is someone who is engaged in, involved in, or contributing to an event or game. A participator is one who invests in, takes part in, or shares in. And participators are really in the game because they are actually on the field. David Manor, uh, said about participatory worship, quote, participatory worship is intentionally collaborative and is not guarded, territorial, defensive, or competitive. It leverages and trusts the creative abilities and resources of the whole in planning, preparing, and implementing worship, unquote. The biggest issue that I have seen and, uh, that other worship leaders see as they uh, worship in their own church or they go outside of the church is what is so-and-so going to say if I say amen? Or I just know what kind of look they're going to give me if I raise my hand in praise. Satan looks for any opening to place fear, apprehension, or concern in our minds when it comes to worship. Now, like many of you that may be listening, I grew up in a very strict church uh, in my early years, and I mean, I love the church, I still consider it my home church even to today, and with time, things have changed. But I remember during the time when I was growing up, um, you never heard say anyone say anything like an amen or a hallelujah or a praise the Lord. Um, our worship was very humbled and very reverent. Uh, as I was growing up, I really did not experience anything as far as, uh, how to really praise and worship the Lord in a worship service until I was much older. Uh, and, uh, you may remember one of my first podcasts. I mentioned that I was part of a, a gospel quartet at one time, the Choraleers Quartet. And we had the, uh, I had the opportunity to travel with them for, uh, roughly about a year, year and a half or so. And one of the first exposures that I had was at a church of God and our pianist, uh, was a Church of God member, and we actually were singing at his church uh, this one particular time. And uh, we had this song, and you may have heard me tell about it, about uh, uh, the battle's not mine, Little David. And uh, I began, I had the lead on that song. I, I, I sung the, the melody and the lead on it. And I remember we went to that church, and, and the, the song Little David was very much uh, the national anthem at that time. And we're talking about 85, 86, somewhere in that in that range and uh it became the national anthem of the charismatic uh, movement at that point and i was singing along and uh, i seen people starting to to raise up and to shout and it scared me there for for a little while and i i remember my baritone singer jerry too he would tap me on on the on the side and he'd say just keep singing son just keep singing it's all right and because uh, he knew I'd never been exposed to anything like that. I was brought up in a missionary Baptist church. And uh, so as we were going along and, and people still continued to praise and, and to worship, you know, I began to feel more comfortable uh, and I felt this tinge of excitement uh, uh, that, uh, that, that ensued and I became more focused on, on the song and more focused on the worship and i'll never forget that uh, as long as i live and as we continue to sing and uh, throughout my years as as a worship leader and and being able to travel and to go to different churches and experience worship in different veins i consider it an honor that we get every sunday to praise the name of jesus and but a lot of the times we get hung up on what so and so going to say or what's so-and-so going to, um, uh, how they're going to look at us. You know, they're, you, you have the Baptist eye roll. I call it, and, uh, you know, you have that one that you say, well, praise God, and you have that one just cut his eyes at you, you know, like, okay, are you suffering from something, son? You're not supposed to be doing that in in God's house, you know. Oh, but contrary. Yes, we are supposed to be doing that in God's house, and I'll get to that in in just a few moments, but a lot of the times we get hung up about what people say or think or do, and we have to remember, we praise and worship an audience of one every time i get up uh, to lead worship at, at my church i remind myself you know i know i've got a lot of eyes on me but the most important set of eyes is my jesus and am i pleasing him through my worship that's all I'm concerned with. That's the only opinion I'm concerned with. Yes, I take into consideration what the pastor's input is, of course. He's the, he's the lead shepherd of the church. But when it boils down to it, even he will tell you, whenever we worship, we worship one God and one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's all we need to be concerned with. Now, when Satan begins to attack your mind, as he will, as you begin to worship, and he begins to have that uh, fear and that doubt creep into your mind, remember what the good news is. We have the Bible to back us up as it pertains to worship. One of my favorite psalms in the Bible is Psalms 150, because to me it encapsulates how we are to be participators in worship. It's a very short chapter, so let me read it to you. In Psalms 150, beginning in verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. If that chapter doesn't encapsulate all of worship, I don't know what does. It pretty much covers. Now, of course, we've talked about how in-depth worship needs to be. But when it comes to the musical part of worship, it needs to be celebratory, because we have a Savior that saved us from a devil's hell. We were surely going to hell as a sinner without a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And every time that we get a chance, whether it's at home, whether it's in your home church, we need to open up praise to Him because of what he's done in our lives. And we we need to utilize all the instruments that he has blessed us with to offer up that praise. The biggest instrument you have is your voice, of course. But he pretty much covers, the psalmist pretty much covers all of the aspects and all the instrumentation that goes into worship. Now, the Bible tells us, to sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord, to make music with different instruments, the lyre, the harp, the tambourine, pipes, cymbals, etc. It tells us to lift up and clap our hands. We're told to lift up our eyes and to lift up our voices with a shout. We're told to worship God by dancing. Oh boy, that could cause a lot of crossed eyes if uh, that started to take place. But hey, you're covered in the bible by it but again it has to be god focused and i cannot emphasize enough and i know in an earlier podcast i made this point dancing yes is covered in the bible king david danced before god when he brought the ark of the covenant back into in jerusalem but the focus of his dance was god it wasn't gyrations it it wasn't anything earthly It was all a joyful dance to God. We're supposed to stand when we worship, kneel, bow down, and even lay prostrate. Yes, congregational worship is supposed to be a participatory event by everyone. Now, in many congregations, people come and just sit there, and they stand when they're supposed to sing, but many just sing quietly or just mouth the words. Very rarely do they lift up or clap their hands. They hardly ever bow down or kneel. They say they participate, but it's rather passive participation. The problem is that we often save our passion for other things. Passion is a strong feeling or of, a, of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something, a strong feeling that causes you to act in a dangerous way. Imagine that. An intense doing or overmastering feeling or conviction, an object of desire or deep interest. Now, that's according uh, to the definition given by Merriam Webster Dictionary. You know, when I think about worship, there was something that was brought to my attention not too long ago. Now, I like to listen to uh, a, a, a wide array of, of, of preachers. If I know they're pretty theologically sound, I'll give them a listen. And And one of these uh, gentlemen and one of these pastors is Perry Stone. Now, I do have some difference, uh, theological differences with him, but he's usually pretty sound in, in what he preaches. And so I will watch him on YouTube, and recently he did a sermon, and something he said— made an impact on my heart, and I wanted to uh, bring that up. He made this profound statement in this sermon, and it was concerning revival and worship. He stated, quote, you'll never have the type of revival that carries God's presence until everybody in the house participates in worship. Wow. Now, let me read that to you again, folks, again you'll never have the type of revival that carries God's presence until everybody in the house participates in worship. Now, when I think back to great revivals and great services, I cannot help but go back to the great Burlington Tent revival of 2016. I was privileged and blessed to have attended at least two of the services uh, during that particular tent revival. If you remember, uh, for those who may not know or for those who remember, this started out in a church called New Home Baptist Church uh, on Mother's Day week. And it was like most revivals, supposed to last a week. Um, And that's usually a common time frame to have a revival. Uh, for some or most churches, but God began to move. And the Holy Spirit, and you have to remember, if, if you read the account of the Burlington revival, this actually started years earlier when a lot of the area pastors there in Winston Salem, and in, in, in Greensboro, and Kernersville, and in, in the Triad area, began to meet together over a number of years, and they would meet and begin to pray specifically for God to move to revive that area, to refresh that area, and. Through a lot of tears and a lot of prayer, the ignition point, I will put it, of the Burlington Revival happened during this particular time period. And, uh, of course, you know, Evangelist C.T. Townsend uh, was preaching this revival. Well, one week turned into two weeks, and through every service that they had, they had a packed house. Uh, They were actually running out of room. Even the overflow area was overflowing with people. They couldn't hold everybody that was wanting to come for this revival. And finally, they began to pray, and uh, God gave the instruction that they needed to take it out uh, of the church and put it in a tent. Well, no one knew about the tent and where to get one. Well, praise the Lord, Dr. Ralph Sexton had a a, a tent, and he got a hold of uh, Brother C.T., or Brother C.T. got a hold of him. They got the tent, and the rest became history. It turned into an 11-week revival. One of the things that I took away from that is the spirit of worship that began every service. And I watched as many services as I could. There were some services where the worship was so sweet now, again, when you have worship, that includes the Word of God being given as well. But there were some instances and there were some services that the worship was so sweet and the Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully through the song and through the music that uh, 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 Brother CT just allowed it to, to flow and just allowed it to happen and allowed the Holy Spirit to do what he was doing uh, through the music and through the worship. And one of the the times that I was able to, to go, I remember uh, that uh, Brother Jarrett Dixon, he was the worship leader for this, and he led us in amazing grace, and he we actually done it a cappella. And you talking about one of the sweetest sounds. And I, I remember looking, and I remember taking a video of this, and looking around, and everyone was singing. Everyone, whether you're a sinner or a saint, should know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And to a person, I remember everyone participating in this and singing. They may not have been the loudest singer. They may not have been the the best singer, but everyone was singing. Or if you weren't singing, if, if for those who wasn't singing, they were praising the Lord. They had their hands uplifted in, in in surrender, praising God, giving Him the glory. Some were on their knees at the altar, praying. That really, I believe, kept that revival fire stoked the way they worshiped everyone participating in worship another thing that that uh, brother perry said in this that, that came to mind was you know when you have a revival you have visitors that come in and when they come in they can they can change the atmosphere of the worship at that revival Because where they come from, they may worship differently. They may be that humbled and reverent uh, um, church where they don't offer up any praise. They don't lift their hands. They don't make any kind of demonstrative response to the worship. So if they come to your revival that you're having, your worship has to be strong enough to change their atmosphere instead of... Them changing yours. You have the opportunity to change their worship instead of them changing yours. How do you do that? Be participatory. Participate in the worship. Give God the praise. Don't worry about anyone else around you. Like I said, if you can go to a ball game, and I'm a Tar Heel fan, and if I'm able to go to a ball game and, and cheer the Tar Heels when they score a touchdown or give a high five to a total stranger uh, there at a uh, ball game, what might, what would prevent me from doing the same in God's house where everyone is welcomed? And I think that's where we miss the point in worshiping a, a lot of times. Now, like I've said earlier, being reverent is a part of worship, and there's nothing wrong with that. But be participatory. Just don't stand there with your arms folded looking at what's going on. Offer up a praise to God. Get on your knees. Lay prostrate. Raise your hands. You know, God appreciates worship. He doesn't need it, as I've said before. But we have that gift that we can give back to Him, and that's our praise and our worship, for what he's done in our lives. When we have our passions in the right place and understand what the Bible instructs on participation in worship, I believe our congregational worship will become more participatory and the Holy Spirit will have greater greater latitude to move. With that, I'll come to an end of this podcast, but I want you to join me next week. Uh, we're going to have our Christmas special uh, next week. We're going to be looking at what I'm going to call the blueprint for Christmas worship. And I'll go ahead and give you some homework uh, to do. Uh, you can find all of that in Luke chapter 2. It encompasses the the Christmas story and the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But um, we're going to break it down into three main points, and I'm going to have uh, my pastors here with me uh, to kind of share in that. So I hope you will uh, join us and, and give us a listen as we have our. That will be the final podcast for the year Uh, we're going to take a hiatus for christmas and enjoy the christmas season and uh, we'll be back on the first of the year but be sure you join us next week for the christmas uh, uh, edition of the worship essentials podcast again i just want to thank each and every one of you for giving me a few minutes of your time today until the next time keep a song in your heart and keep jesus in the center so long for now